Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. I just want to ensure that Father's heart is communicated in this little bit of time we've got here together. I, I, I felt the Lord say a lot of the songs we sang were about what God can do. Come on, what he did before he can do again about the bones of Elijah, Elijah and all these things, and all, they, they, these powerful things, powerful things. And as we're singing that, I felt the Lord highlight to me that many of us believe that God can do the miraculous more than we believe that God actually really celebrates us. Just think about that for a moment. We believe he can do the supernatural. That can become our focus. Yeah, God can do this. More than we actually believe with all our heart that he looks towards us with kindness and celebrates us and rejoices over us. Can I bring us full circle back to this for a moment? Because God told me to talk tonight about flowing in the Spirit, and I suppose that's what I'm doing. But it's like when he said that phrase to me, flowing in the Spirit, um, let me just unpack a little bit of what he said and see if I can get something out here. Um, Flowing in the Spirit, I automatically know that that's something that I love to do, and that's just like flowing, going with the Holy Spirit. But he said, no, I want to say something different. He said, look at the word flowing. In the dictionary. So I went to the dictionary and it's different definitions, but one leapt off the page at me, and this definition of flowing was graceful and fluent. And God says, I want you to talk about this. Flowing in the Holy Spirit is graceful and fluent. You think about someone that moves. You know, a beautiful dress, or someone that's maybe an eloquent speaker, and, and they're, 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 they're just, they just flow. They're just flowing. There's, there's a gracefulness and a fluency. Does that make sense? And he started to talk to me. And so I want to talk about grace for a little bit here. And I want to unpack something that you might have never seen before. I'm only just seeing it now. And so what you're not getting is a polished message. You're getting something that I'm only just even just seeing at the moment. Is that, is that okay? Because uh, sometimes we're looking too much for a polished message that we go, that was awesome, rather than just having a walk with God and just just letting God just have his way and download some stuff. And here's the deal. As I start to speak and as I lean into this, some of you, and I think all of you, if you just open yourself up, you're going to have the Holy Spirit start to connect dots that I'm not even talking about. We're, Sally was telling to, to me about this recently, that God, when um, part of, the gift and grace on our life is when we're, when we're speaking and revelations flowing from us that God can then speak his own revelation to you and it's different to them and different to them and that's the beauty. So are you ready just to let the Holy Spirit and he's just going to start the beautiful tapestry and we're going to leave here thinking about God and what he views, sees us. Because even that will lift the miraculous to a whole new level. Because when it's not happening, what happens, we can go to questioning either God or God's towards us. And so let me talk about flowing in the Spirit. It's graceful and it's fluent. The word grace, I, I want to take us somewhere with this, and, and uh, I'm just going to let myself just go for it. 
Um, the word grace, a lot of people think about the word grace and think about undeserved or unmerited favor. Anyone heard that? And is that, is that it? Yeah, in essence, that's it. But it, it's, it goes beyond that. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, uh, 8 and 9, that it is by grace you've been saved. Anyone know this? For it is by what? For it is by grace, undeserved God's favor. But I, I want to back that up a little bit because it, it's, it's actually deeper than that. For it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. That's our part. We believe. And the believing is in the grace of God. It's not just the receiving of the favor. It's actually a belief in the nature and the character of God. I want to take us back there for a moment. Not of works, not of ourselves, so that no one can boast. I'm, I'm saved because I'm a good person. No, none of us are good enough to be saved. True? It's by the grace of God. But I want to just unpack this for a little bit. So it's the undeserved favor, the unmerited favor of God. But if you go to the Greek, when we see the word grace, it actually, I I love this. It's the divine, you might have heard me say it before if you've been here for a while. It's the divine influence on the heart. In other words, God initiating. God bringing revelation. No one's been saved without divine influence on the heart. Come on, the apostle Paul, when he was Saul on the road to Damascus, man, he had divine influence on his heart big time. You and I, when we were sinners, come on, we had divine influence one day. Come on, people have been so, uh, can quote the Bible for years and years and years. They've heard all the stories and then it's nothing, nothing, nothing. And one day, the divine influence on their heart just grabs their attention. It goes from a, a knowledge that doesn't make any difference in their life to revelation where they step into this relationship, right? It always starts with the divine influence on the heart. We must always understand God's the initiator, never us. God's not lost. We didn't find him. God, God's always reaching out. This is love. Not that you love, but God first loved you. He's the initiator. So it's the divine influence on the heart, and then it's reflection in the life. Grace is not something that just comes to us and then it stops there. The life changes because of grace. Other people say it's the empowerment of God. Grace is the empowerment of God to actually live the life that he's called us to live. Has anyone heard of these different phrases? And this is all grace. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved favor. We didn't deserve it, but God, I love it. In in, in Corinthians, it talks about the ministry of reconciliation, that God has reconciled us to himself. Do you know what it means, reconciliation or reconcile to God? Return to favor with we are in favor with God. This is good news. If you think about you need to get, um, you wanted to get permits for something, build something, you need favor with the council. You need the council to look favorably. What does it mean? It's like you're like in their good books and they grant what is requested. We have been returned to favor with God. It's unmerited, undeserved favor. It is the divine influence on the heart and it's reflection in the life. When the grace of God touches you, others can see it. Come on. It's not about us good enough. It's about when God touches you. But this is what it says in the Greek. The divine influence on the heart and its reflection in the life, including gratitude. This is what it says. The divine influence on the heart, its reflection in the life, including gratitude. I want to take you somewhere for a moment. Are you with me? 
including gratitude. Why does it add that one part? Because the, the, and its reflection in the life, that would include gratitude and a whole bunch of things. Why does it specifically mention it? It, it, is, such a, it is such a powerful thing. I mean, remember when Jesus healed the 10 lepers? One came back. It is a powerful thing to give thanks for what God has done in our lives. But there's, there's something even richer than that. Uh, you think about the word grace. If you're going to have a meal and someone says, I want you to give thanks, it's called saying gratitude, give thanks, saying grace. The, the, part of the evidence that grace has touched your life is thankfulness and gratitude. This is part of the evidence from us. Let me ask you a question. Is your life marked by gratitude and thankfulness or by complaining? And Come on, this is a... Is, is this... It went real quiet. Everyone was really excited about this word about five minutes ago, about two minutes ago. But it's, it's reflection in our life, including gratitude. I heard Bill Johnson so recently talk about slapping me around the side of the head. If God inhabits the praises of his people, who inhabits the complaints? But let me take you back to some good news. <laughs> You're welcome. This is what I want us to, to, to get. When it talks about the grace, the grace of God that saved us, when God starts to speak to our heart and it reflects in our life, including with gratitude, the grace of God is unmerited favor. It's the divine influence on the heart. It's reflection in the life. It includes gratitude. But let me take you back to something that is just absolutely delightful. In Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, Jesus says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Let me tie a couple of scriptures together. Are you, are you, right? are you doing okay? My grace is so God's grace is sufficient. What does sufficient mean? It's enough. That's part of it. But do you know what it means in the Greek? To raise a barrier. My grace, literally in your life, raises a barrier from the enemy getting in and defeating you. It is sufficient for you. Do you know that that word sufficient, that raising a barrier... Is the same that we see in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, when Paul's in prison and he says, I know what it is to have plenty and I know what it is to have uh, lack. And I have learned the secret of being content. Same Greek word as sufficient. I have learned the secret of a, the barrier that is raised up that keeps the enemy 
that he cannot take me out in this. I've learned the secret of being content in whatever circumstance, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in plenty or in lack. So what is that secret? What is that secret that you've learned, Paul, that raises up a standard in, in your favor so the enemy cannot take you out? It is grace because Jesus said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is the thing that's sufficient for you. But here's the thing that I want us to get tonight. And if you've got one thing, this is what I want you to get. The word grace, although it means a merit of favor and the divine influence on the heart, including in the life, it does. that's not the, the, the root word of the word grace. It comes from the root word. Are you ready for this? Cheerful, calmly happy, and well off. It is the same root word grace as in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, 17, 18, 16, where it says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. In everything give thanks. Is there gratitude? For this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. Verse, verse 1920 uh, uh, says, Do not quench the Holy Spirit. I, I believe with all my heart, if we rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks, then we will not quench the Holy Spirit. But this is what I want you to see. The word rejoice always, the root Greek word of the word rejoice is the same as the word, word grace. To be cheerful, to be overflowing with just, it actually says calmly happy. Just, a, just a, a sense of utter delight. So I, now I need you to hear what grace really starts because we talk about it, it should re reflect in our gratitude and thankfulness. But I want to take you back to where grace starts. God looking at us, and he is full of cheer. He is just calmly happy. He looks at us and goes, man, I like them. That's where grace starts. I want you to get this tonight. I just want you to get the simplicity of this tonight. He created you. He created me back in the very beginning. And when he looked at us, he says, it is very good. No one says, man, that is really good if they're not happy. I just want to, I don't know. I, I don't even know where I'm going to land. I just want you to know that when God thinks of you, he is very, very happy. If you want something deeper than this tonight, I ain't got it. But I believe that if we come back, that we have a fresh revelation of the foundation. This is doing me good right now. We're just so much thinking about what we need to do so that we can please God. and, and all. Come on, his starting position is, is very good. That's good, man. Oh, man, what an incredible person. Gary, the, 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 I know what I put in him. Oh, I know the, I know the way he's white. I love the relationship I've got with him. Come on, let's together, let's be about the Father's business. Let's do some things that see his kingdom come. The starting point, we talk about it's all by grace, it's by grace. Yeah, but what is the starting point of grace? God going, man, I'm happy. Man, I look at you, I go, man, I'm, I'm, this is good. This is good. This is good. You know, it says in Zephaniah, I reckon I've got a scripture here somewhere. Let me just find it here. In Zephaniah, yes, that is actually a book in the Bible. Uh, Zephaniah. I want to read this in New King James. Just let me read this to you. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one who will save 
he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. He will rejoice over you with gladness. God says, this is where my starting point is. If I'm good enough, God will be pleased. No, the starting point is he rejoices. Guess what it means? Cheerful. It's the same word as grace, the same word as rejoice always. You and I are told to rejoice always, but we think, man, is no, the starting point is God's rejoicing over us. And if we actually have a deeper revelation of the body of Christ, that God's starting point is that he's rejoicing over you and me, then we get up in the morning, God is cheerful and happy today, and he looks at me and goes, there's my son, I love him, and I'm well pleased. But you guys say, but I've done this, I've done that. That's not the make or break thing for God. It really is not. The Bible says, in his presence is fullness of good works and misery and trying hard. Don't you know your Bibles? It says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. I pray we get a deeper revelation in this room tonight that in God's presence is fullness of joy. He's a happy God. He's a joyful God. Not in what we do, but in who we are. That's his starting position. Did you get the simplicity of what I'm saying? His starting position. He says, my grace. Now let's go back to that. My cheerfulness is sufficient for you. You don't need more of his power. You need more of a revelation of his cheerfulness. The fruit of the Spirit is power and might and overcoming and victory. No, it's love, joy. Boom. Let's just go straight there. Come on. Before patience and self-control and all. Come on. Let's start. In the, with this, God says, can we come back to my starting point? Not what you and I have to somehow try to work towards and gain and, and just hopefully one day God will like us. Our starting point that the Spirit lives in us is His love. Because God is love. 1 John 4, 8 and 16. God is love. You cannot separate me because I don't love. I am love. It exudes from me. The fruit of my Spirit is love, but the second one is joy. Oh, come on, Holy Spirit. It took me a little while, but I'm into it now. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I wonder if we'll have more peace if we have a deeper revelation of his joy. Because the absence of peace is that there is a pressure to actually be do something, achieve something, shift something, change something. We need, okay, here's the a, here's a word of the Lord to me and to you tonight. If you want to change something in your life tonight, change your starting position of God. This is flowing in the spirit. Flowing, graceful, full of grace. Grace is not just undeserved favor. It's not just a divine influence on the heart. It's reflection in the life, including gratitude. It's starting point. It, it comes from the root word that means cheerful, calmly happy, and well off. That's God's cheerfulness. 
is the barrier, not that keeps me from him, that keeps the enemy from taking me out. That's enough. That's sufficient. That's what I need. Paul's beaten, bloodied, bruised, chained, abused, in prison. And he actually says, I've learned the secret that God's cheerfulness raises up a barrier, a standard. Joe won. You can go this far, but no further. Come on. You can go this far, but no further. Because the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. But the starting position, position is cheerful happiness. Come on, the fruit of the Spirit. You got them there. Yes, you got self-control and patience, but you've got kindness and goodness. Come on. Can we have a bit more talking about God's kindness? What does it say in Romans 2 verse 4? Do you not know that it's God's kindness that leads people to repentance? God's kindness, his cheerfulness, his... Someone who is kind, I ain't seen no one that's kind that ain't... There's a, there's a calmly happy cheerfulness about them. This is the starting point of my God. When I'm having a bad day and when I'm having a good day. The starting position of God. That's why it says his mercy is new every morning. Come on, great is his faithfulness. He wakes up happy. I love it says in Psalm 139, David wakes up. He goes, and when I awake, you're still with me. Oh, open my eyes. God's still there. Smiling. How big is God's smile, for goodness sake? We made him an angry workspace God. He says, no, no, no. I'll tell you that my fruit, love, this is good, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You got gentleness in there. You got kindness in there. And God's kindness, come on, his kindness leads people to what? Repentance. What is repentance? Changing the way you think. Repentance is not 180. That's the fruit of it. Repentance is, come on, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Is to, it literally means to exercise the mind, to change the way you think. What changes believers' way they think? It's not when we see the power of God. It's not when we, when we pray and read more. It's when we actually have an encounter with his kindness. His kindness, his kindness, his kindness. His kindness. Don't stir me, don't stir me, don't stir me. I'll come and lay hands on you. Is anyone, is the Spirit doing anyone good today? Back to worship, God spoke to me. He goes, we believe that God can do the miracles and power stuff. More than we believe that his starting position is he's very cheerful when he thinks about Steve McCracken. And here's one of the reasons why it's hard for me to accept and hard for you to accept it, because we're not actually cheerful and happy about ourselves. Yeah. 
So us being imperfect are unhappy with our imperfect selves. How can the perfect one be happy? Maybe God measures differently. Maybe for him, it's actually what the Bible clearly says, that we can state, but we actually don't always believe, that we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That our goodness is not based on our goodness, but on our God, who is good. Hmm. God spoke to me and said, I'm talking about flowing in the spirit, grace. It's graceful, and it's fluent. Let me just say a couple lines on that. Fluent, according to the dictionary, means able to write and speak a foreign language easily and accurately. Able to write and speak a foreign language. The language of the Spirit is foreign. God says to you, church, to me, church, at this time where we are embarking on a transition as a church. I want you to be people in this season that are identified as people who are flowing in the Spirit. You're grace-filled based on the cheerfulness of God, receiving it for yourself and passing it on to everyone else. And fluent in the Spirit, able to speak the foreign language of the Spirit easily and accurately. God wants you and I to flow in the Spirit easily. Be filled with the Spirit. Come on, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Come on, speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Come on, stir up the gift of God that is within you, that you've received by the laying on of my hands. Come on, be filled to overflowing. God says, I want this to be easy. I want you to be actually praying in the Spirit and living in the Spirit and moving in the Spirit much more than you do in the flesh and in the natural. God says, that's who I want you to be in this season. What comes out of your mouth? Is it birthed in the Spirit or is it birthed in the flesh? That thing that I'm about to say, am I right now being fluent in the foreign language of the spirit or in the familiar language of the flesh? What happened when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? Miracles happened, the wind blew, the fire came. It's, it's an incredible thing right there, and I, I, could, I could just preach on that for an hour or so, but I'm not going to. But one of the evidences of when... The, Things that, let me just say this, the Holy Spirit's telling me to go do it, so I'm just going to have to bring it up, and let me just read these few verses, and I think our time's almost up, but I'm just going to finish this, and then we'll pick some stuff up tomorrow. But let me read this. This is Acts 2, 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Let me tell you the first thing uh, to for the move of God that God's going to do, because this is what the Lord wants you to hear from me this weekend. So he's going to be speaking tomorrow afternoon, and we'll, we'll just go with the flow. We'll see what happens. But God says that this transition, the, the life point thing, um, what we're embarking on, this is what God said to me. This is not a cancellation of what I have said. It's a promotion into what I have said. So you need to hear the word of the Lord. This is not a cancellation of what I said. It's a promotion into what I have actually said. 
And I'm going to speak into that, preparing for transition tomorrow, entering the promised land on Sunday. And I've got the word of the Lord that is going to empower every person. I pray that you'll be here. But let me say right now that in this season it's imperative that when the day of Pentecost come, they were all together in one place. That's what's going to get us through this in a way where God is glorified, the devil is petrified, and people are saved and set free. Can I hear an amen? We are all together in one place. It's like in Psalm 133, verse 1, how good and how pleasant it is where people dwell together in unity. A redundant double statement, or is it? It says dwell together. Obviously, you're in unity. But what does it say? Dwell together in unity. Hmm. Because it actually says in the Hebrew, then, it's, it's a say, do you know, dwell together and in unity, same Hebrew word, which means all together. So this is what it says. How good and how pleasant it is where my brethren, my brothers and sisters uh, dwell all together and they're all together. We're all together in this room right now, but are we all together in the spirit? Because you can have a room full of people that are not all together. You can have two people and they can be all together. God's saying that the day of Pentecost started when they were, uh, what does it say? It says they were all together in one place. Again, redundant statement. If they're all together, clearly they're in one place. But he needs you to hear it. God is saying at this time, I need us to come together, together. If the unity is not around issues. Unity is the unity in the spirit. The Bible talks about the unity in the spirit. It repeatedly through the Bible talks about God. I want you to have the unity in the spirit. Unity in the spirit. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. God showed me that when we're all together, all together, that something comes and is initiated from heaven and initiates from heaven and invades earth. Notice that the sound came from heaven. It wasn't them bringing a sound up. It was a sound coming down. We need a sound to come down. It says, heaven came. The sound came from heaven. That's what we need in our meetings. That's what you need in your life. You need to wake up and something to come to you from heaven. When I come to minister, you don't need something that originates from me. You need something that originates from heaven. And it happens when we're all together, all together. Come on. God says you dwell together. The oil flows. The anointing flows. The anointing flows. And there I command a blessing. So it came from heaven. We're so much thinking about uh, uh, this way. We need this way. Let your kingdom come that your will be done on earth as is it. Whatever's up there, bring it down here. That's what we want. When we're all together, all together, that's what happened. Verse 3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. So we've got the all together. Church, I'm speaking to you right now. I'm speaking. We're going to come all together. On this journey, we're going to come all together. Heaven is going to initiate and invade. But then what's going to happen? That will result in the miraculous, but it will be unexplainable and uncontainable. What do they say? There appeared what seemed to be like. Come on, what is manna? What is it? The word manna means what is it? 
God miraculously supplied. See, we want to be able to articulate, define, contain, handle, understand everything that God's doing. If you want to understand everything that God's doing on this journey, then we might as well check out right now. Because when God moves, there's plenty that we can't explain. But we just know that God is up to something. And I want to declare bold and loud at the start of this weekend that what God is initiating with Infuse Church and Life Point, with Pastor Gary and Pastor Jane coming um, under and with David and Donna Hall, that this is God-ordained. I saw it years ago. Not particularly this one, but that that, that, that coming under, that you're actually going to step into your fulfillment of God's promises. It's not, it's not about who's leading. It's about the right position. This is all about right position. When we're in the right position, why did the Spirit get pulled out? Because they were where Jesus told them to go. He goes, don't you dare leave and birth my church until the Spirit comes, until the promise comes. They were in the right position. Oh, Even when Jesus, Matthew 28, oh, I'm getting another preacher on. Even in Matthew 28, when he comes and he gives the great commission, come on, I've got all the power. Now, Go into all the world and make disciples. It said that the disciples had went to the place where he told them to go, even though some of them doubted. They went where God told them to go, even though some of them doubted. Don't let your doubts stop you from going where God tells you to go. This is time for this church to move, and it's about kingdom purpose. It's not about personal satisfaction. God is lifting kingdom over personal and then they were all together, all together. Heaven initiated, heaven invaded. The miraculous happened to the point they go, it seemed like something like we have no idea what God is doing. And then verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other foreign tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The language changes. God is about to change our language, church. God is about to change our language. Come on. For some of us, from fear to faith. From some of us, from worry to actually hope and expectation. God is going to change our language, even from small-mindedness or to kingdom-mindedness. God's about to change our language. But it's the language of the Spirit. God told me to talk tonight about flowing in the Spirit. Flowing is graceful, full of grace, starting in the cheerfulness of God that actually empowers us and results in us being grateful because God is so happy. Let's go and do this thing together. And fluent and fluent, actually being able to talk and to write a foreign language easily and accurately. God is saying, I need my people to flow in the spirit, to be grace-filled on this journey in the spirit and to be fluent in the spirit in Jesus name praise god as well, about 5% we're going to be done god wants us to live graceful and fluent in the language of the holy spirit in this season these last three questions has god authored what i'm about to say on this journey, when you go to say something, is the spirit behind what I'm about to say. Is this going to help someone forward? 
or is it going to cause confusion and questions? You are responsible for what others receive from the words that you speak. Now, not all the time, because some people misunderstood Jesus. I'm talking to the degree that we actually exercise the wisdom of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Is that cool? Is what's about to come out of my mouth? Is, has God authored what I'm about to do? And finally, has God authored what I'm about to give my attention to? Lord spoke to me and said, not everything that gets your attention is something that you have to give your attention to. If it gets your attention, come on, you scroll through social media, you flick on the TV and go through the the news and the channels, whatever it may be, not everything that gets your attention. In other words, it enters. You have to give your attention to. The Lord's just saying to me right now, come on, part of his wife entered Joseph's attention. But he says, I ain't going to do this against God. I'm not going to give my attention to this. I'm going to get out. Don't give your attention in this season to everything that gets your attention. If it is doing something bad on the inside of you, walk away. Social media. If it is not producing the fruits of righteousness, turn it off. Unsubscribe. Delete it. I can't. I need to keep up. No, you need to keep in the spirit. Some of us have got to take a little bit more responsibility for the fruit of our life based on what we give our attention to. Seriously, I'm not a, God doesn't, I don't even know how to say that, but let me just tell you right now, I know that I know that I know I have to constantly give my attention to the right thing, otherwise I'll drift into the wrong thing. Don't look at me and say it's easy because you're such a man of God. No, I'm I'm a man of God because I'm constantly giving my attention to the right thing. There's plenty of things that will try to get my attention, but I've got to go, I'm not going to give it to that. It's going to lead me astray. It's going to lead me down the wrong path. It's going to steal my peace. It's going to steal my joy. Come on. This is a time that the Lord says, be careful what you give your attention to. God wants you to live in the cheerfulness of his countenance. I will rejoice over them with gladness. Let that be what you leave with tonight. And let's do this thing together and come back tomorrow and let's get deep into God's word and see some of the blessings that are coming up for this church. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You receive the word? Let me pray. Father, I thank you right now for your goodness. Thank you, Father, that you know what we need better than we know what we need. And Lord, I pray that every person in this room, young and old, Lord, that every person will leave with your cheerfulness, your happiness, your joy, your kindness, 
let that be the image that we have in our minds of ourselves from your perspective when you look at us. Let us get up in the morning under the smile of the Son, the smile of the Father. Lord, let us hear the words, this is my son, I love him. I love him. It is very good. And let's do this journey together under the smile of God. And may the kingdom of God be extended through our collective lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.